Your Majesties, Your Royal Highnesses, distinguished representatives of the Nobel Peace Prize Laureate, Your Excellencies, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen. The international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons, ICANN, has been awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for 2017. On behalf of the Norwegian Nobel Committee, I take great pleasure in congratulating ICANN on its award. Distinguished listeners, this is Women on the Line, and I'm Aoife Cook. And that unusual introduction to this week's show by Nobel Committee Chairwoman Barrett Rees Anderson marks a very special moment in the history of the peace movement. The recognition of the game-changing work of the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, or ICANN. Starting as a small grassroots group in Melbourne ten years ago, and now a global civil society coalition of over 100 countries, ICANN has, of course, been awarded with one of the most recognised prizes internationally for their expansive and fruitful work this year, getting support from 122 countries and counting for the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. The Nobel Peace Prize was awarded to ICANN members in Oslo, Norway, on International Human Rights Day on December the 10th. Some of the founders went to Oslo for the ceremony, and the other Australian campaigners and supporters gathered in Melbourne Town Hall to celebrate and watch the ceremony. This week's show comes from both locations, and you'll hear from a range of campaigners on the issues. Welcome to Women on the Line, a National Women's Current Affairs programme produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne on Wondery Country of the Kulin Nations and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. In this week's show, we'll first hear again from Barrett Rees Anderson. 3CR's Judith Peppard then speaks to ICANN's outreach coordinator, Jem Ramald, outside Melbourne Town Hall. We'll also hear from Indigenous anti-nuclear activist Karina Lester from South Australia and Fijian campaigner Vanessa Griffin before returning to the ceremony in Oslo to give the closing words of the show to Setsuko Thurlow, a Japanese-Canadian nuclear disarmament campaigner who survived the atomic bombing of Hiroshima in 1945. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are advised that the following programme names someone who has recently died. In early October, the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize was announced to media. And now we'll hear from Barrett Rees Anderson around how the committee came to their decision. The organisation is receiving the award for its work to draw attention to the catastrophic humanitarian consequences of any use of nuclear weapons and for its groundbreaking efforts to achieve a treaty-based prohibition on such weapons. 
We live in a world where the risk for nuclear weapons being used is greater than it has been for a long time. Some states are modernizing their nuclear arsenals and there is a real danger that more countries will try to procure nuclear weapons as exemplified by North Korea. Nuclear weapons pose a constant threat to humanity and all life on Earth. Through binding international agreements, the international community has previously adopted prohibitions against landmines, cluster munitions and biological and chemical weapons. Nuclear weapons are even more destructive, but have not yet been made the object of a similar international legal prohibition. Through its work, ICANN has helped to fill this legal gap. An important argument in the rationale for prohibiting nuclear weapons is the unacceptable human suffering that nuclear weapons will cause. ICANN is a coalition of non-governmental organizations from around 100 different countries around the globe. The coalition has been a driving force in prevailing upon the world's nations to pledge to cooperate with all relevant stakeholders in efforts to stigmatize, prohibit and eliminate nuclear weapons. The decision to award the Nobel Peace Prize for 2017 to the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons has a solid grounding in Alfred Nobel's will. The will specifies three different criteria for awarding the Peace Prize. The promotion of fraternity between nations, the advancement of disarmament and arms control, and the holding and promotion of peace congresses. ICANN works vigorously to achieve nuclear disarmament. ICANN and a majority of UN member states have contributed to fraternity between nations by supporting the humanitarian pledge. And through its inspiring and innovative support for the UN negotiations on the treaty banning nuclear weapons, ICANN has played a major part in bringing about what in our day and age is equivalent to an International Peace Congress. It is the firm conviction of the Norwegian Nobel Committee that ICANN, more than anyone else, has in the past year given the efforts to achieve a world without nuclear weapons, a new direction and a new vigour. And now to Melbourne Town Hall, where crowds gathered to watch the ceremony. Judith Peppard managed to find some time with tireless campaigner Jem Rommeld about her experiences in the campaign and her insightful analysis of where Australia sits on the international stage on nuclear disarmament. 
We were awarded the 2017 Nobel Peace Prize for our work raising awareness of the catastrophic humanitarian impacts of nuclear weapons and also for our role in the first treaty to comprehensively outlaw nuclear weapons. June and July was the end of the negotiations. One session in March, which then produced a first draft, and then that draft was worked through painstakingly, line by line, by about 130 governments and civil society in the room, going through it day after day. And then on the 7th of July, the negotiating conference voted to adopt the treaty and the text that had been negotiated. A couple of months later, in September, it was formally opened for signature at a ceremony at the UN and it was incredible to see so many countries, including so many in the Asia-Pacific region, many of Australia's neighbours, line up and be the first to sign on to the treaty. An amazing moment, I can just imagine. What kind of response have you had from Australia? Australia's been opposing the ban treaty very actively. In 2016, there was a UN open-ended working group to work out what's next for nuclear disarmament. Australia participated in those meetings, but it was playing an obstructionist role and tried to undermine the outcome. And was that what Scott Ludlam raised in the Senate? Yeah, that's right. So he questioned the government on their role on that in Senate estimates. It was clear that the Australian government is not supportive of this process because it believes that nuclear weapons are essential for Australia's security. And this treaty that has been negotiated by the majority of the world's nations says that that is unacceptable. Nuclear weapons do not make us safe. They are weapons of mass destruction. And while ever some countries say that they're necessary, then inevitably other countries will want to have them. Other countries will hang on to the ones they've got and we will not go further down the path of disarmament. So Australia was playing a very difficult role. And then when it came time for the negotiations, they actually boycotted the negotiating conference completely. We were calling on Australia to be part of this historic process, to get on board, because the public supports this treaty. The most recent polling done was in September. It found 73% of the public is on board. It's popular. It's the way all of our regional neighbours are going. It's the way the world is going and it's inevitable that Australia is going to have to get on board because it signed the other treaties. So such as? Yeah, the uh, Chemical Weapons Treaty, the Biological Weapons Treaty, landmines and cluster munitions. Many of them Australia was also resistant to and then has ended up signing on and being very proud to be a signatory for those treaties. So we're looking forward to the day that the Australian government is retrospectively being proud that it is a date party to the Nuclear Weapons Ban Treaty. How has the Australian media responded to that announcement about the Nobel Prize? Well, the Australian media has been thrilled. This is the first Nobel Peace Prize to go to an Australian-founded organisation and it has never gone to an Australian individual either. So the media, more than anything else that we've done, or more even than when the treaty was finalised and adopted, has suddenly started to pay attention The Nobel Peace Prize has been amazing for shining a spotlight on our work, shining a spotlight on the treaty and shining a spotlight on the Australian government's terrible position to oppose this. So how did you feel last night as you watched the award being presented? It was surreal to be sitting here in Melbourne where I can this 
global campaign was forged 10 years ago by a small group of dedicated individuals and so often change begins with just that and to have been part of this journey the last five years and seen our campaign grow from strength to strength it's been quite surreal to then see us highlighted on the world stage with this prize so I felt overwhelmed. Were there tears? I won't lie, there were some tears and there was a fresh sense of determination that we have to continue our work. Also at the event last night were were three wonderful women, dear friends, who have been part of this process, who have been personally impacted by nuclear weapons. Karina and Rose Lester, Yankanjara Ananu women, whose father is Yami Lester. He unfortunately passed away earlier this year, but they have been with us speaking up about the terrible impacts of nuclear testing in Australia and calling on the Australian government to to honour their story and to respect their history by signing on to this treaty. So it was beautiful to be there with them and also Vanessa Griffin, uh, a campaigner, brilliant campaigner from Fiji. She was helped set up the Nuclear Free and Independent Pacific Network decades ago and she knows so well the impacts of that nuclear testing has had, especially on women's bodies across the Pacific. So it was wonderful to take a moment out of the campaigning work to to watch that and celebrate together. And we'll now hear some audio from some of those campaigners. These recordings are from the long sessions Jem referred to at the start of her interview. To bring the draft treaty into permanent form, Karina Lester is arguing for recognition in the treaty of the disproportionate impact of nuclear weapon activities on Indigenous people, which was ultimately included. My name's Karina Lester. I'm a second generation nuclear test survivor from the Arnangal. Bidjanjara, Yangunjara lands in South Australia. My father, Yami Lester, was blinded by the British nuclear tests conducted at Emu Field on the 15th of October 1953. Many of his people, his family, developed eye infections and skin infections, cancers, genetic problems and respiratory problems and autoimmune diseases and many are still suffering today. The emotional, mental and physical suffering is felt by generations, from my grandparents, from my father, my generation, my children and my grandchildren. We are constantly reminded of what has taken away from us as a family and the suffering we have gone through. Today I represent those Aboriginal people who have died and suffered from those British nuclear tests in the outback of South Australia between 1953 and 1963. I am here to voice my strong support for the proposal to include a paragraph in the preamble that recognises the disproportionate impact of nuclear tests on Indigenous peoples around the world. I would like to take this opportunity to read two paragraphs from an important statement that has been prepared for the conference. 
It has been endorsed by Indigenous groups in many countries, in particular Australia, French Polynesia, United States, Marshall Islands. And the two paragraphs I'd like to read... Read this. We write to remind those drafting this important new treaty about the ongoing harm caused by the use of nuclear weapons and by more than 2,000 nuclear test explosions around the globe. Indigenous communities have borne the brunt of these deadly experiments. Our land, our sea, our communities and our physical bodies carry this legacy with us now and for unknown generations to come. Our suffering cannot be undone. Our lands can never be restored. Some of our customs will never be revived and will forever remain disrupted. We hope that in this new treaty to ban nuclear weapons, governments will at last acknowledge and make reparation for the harm inflicted upon Indigenous peoples, communities, lands and sea. Your work on this treaty is a historic opportunity towards ensuring that there are no new victims of nuclear weapons. Thank you. The next speaker we'll hear from is Vanessa Griffin. This draft treaty to prohibit nuclear weapons has particular resonance for all the peoples and countries around the world that have experienced nuclear weapons testing. Many lands have been used to test weapons in the early stages of development. In many countries, indigenous peoples and military service workers and personnel have all been affected by these early tests. For other countries, including the islands of the Pacific, my home, nuclear weapons were tested on atolls and above the seas, destroying homelands, removing people forever from their lands. But we wish to stress that the impacts of nuclear weapons testing across the world was the same, causing medical and health problems, including cancers, evident from one generation to the next. The health impacts in particular are ongoing. Alongside the survivors of the bombs used on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, test victims have all been determined to ensure that these experiences are never felt again. The provisions in the treaty to address victim assistance are vital to answering the impacts of nuclear weapons, which have a gender dimension, particularly impacting on women, and which also have particular impacts on children. The environmental impacts of nuclear weapons have often been a strong motivation and a learning experience, too, of the unending particular devastation caused by these weapons, whose radioactive fallout and contamination do not go away. In addressing these issues, the treaty will not only help prohibit the future risks to humanity of nuclear weapons, but also address the damage caused by past development of these weapons through nuclear testing. We are pleased with how the, test, the text has developed over the course of this negotiating conference. While improvements can we be made, we feel that Articles 6 and 7 in the current text contain vital provisions for the people, land and oceans that have, been bo that have borne the brunt of nuclear testing.
Responsibility must be taken for these humanitarian impacts by all, and states that have used or tested nuclear weapons should play a particular role. We hope that all states' parties will fully embrace the spirit of this treaty and assist in helping clear the poisoned lands and lagoons and address the health needs of the many victims of nuclear testing that still suffer from cancers, intergenerational effects, and the health care burdens. Thank you. And what's next for ICANN? The campaign will continue, will ramp up to get Australia to sign and ratify the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Uh, The current government has made it pretty clear that they will not be signing the treaty, um, but we're finding that support is strong and growing within the rest of Parliament. We've been working on a project called the Parliamentary Pledge, which enables all individual politicians to sign up their support to say that they will work for Australia to sign and ratify the treaty. We now have two-thirds of the Australian Labor Party have signed on to that. All of the Greens, MPs and Senators, and some one Liberal, one National, a couple of Independents, and a couple of Nick Xenophon team uh, parliamentarians as well. So we'll continue to build that. Um, and what about internationally? Mm-hmm. Internationally, we'll be focusing very much on increasing the membership and ratifications of the treaty. So in the Asia-Pacific region, we have some work to do to encourage more countries to sign on. And internationally, of course, we've got this new tool, this treaty. It's only existed for a few months and we need to put it to work. So campaigners all across the world... Thousands of people will be taking this and it will breathe life and new force, international law, into our work to get a nuclear weapons-free world. And what about those countries that currently possess nuclear weapons? How likely are they to sign up? Over time, it's inevitable that the nuclear weapon states will get on board. They will resist it for a while. It will take years, no doubt. Uh, But the ban treaty creates a new norm Uh, by which all countries will be judged equally. And we've seen the effect that the other prohibition treaties have had for other weapons. It takes time, but the stigmatisation of the weapon has all sorts of different effects. It means that different parts of the chain can be worked against. For example, the financing of nuclear weapons. I think we'll start to see more divestment campaigns popping up all over the world saying that companies cannot invest money in manufacturers of these weapons that have been banned. So the ban treaty changes things on a number of levels and we're going to see how that plays out. We know how effective a ban can be, partly because the nuclear weapon states and many of their allies have fought against this. Global majority were able to pass this treaty despite the opposition of the nuclear weapon states, so they will continue to bring pressure to bear from the outside against the countries that insist on holding on to their nuclear weapons. And things change. If Jeremy Corbyn is elected in the United Kingdom, that might spell the end of the UK's nuclear weapons program. Among NATO, there are signs that some countries, their political situation is changing and we might have the first NATO allies breaking away from the pack and signing onto the nuclear weapons ban treaty. So in Australia, we're saying, of course, 
you can have a relationship, you can have a military alliance with the United States, but you can exclude nuclear weapons from that alliance. In the same way New Zealand has. Exactly. New Zealand has rejected nuclear weapons and is still in a military alliance with the United States and there are other countries in our region that have done the same. So it's time for Australia to follow the lead of our neighbours, reject nuclear weapons completely and sign and ratify the ban treaty. Before we close out this week's show by returning to the ceremony in Oslo Town Hall on International Human Rights Day, we want to say a huge thank you to all the ICANN campaigners and supporters who participated in this show, and a huge congratulations and thank you for making the world a safer place from all of us at Women on the Line. For links and more information on ICANN and the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, go to 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. You might also be interested to tune into 3CR's Radioactive show, also available across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Music from today's show is from Kate Vigo and Do the Robot. Now we'll hear from Setsuko Thurlow on her experiences of the atomic bombing of Hiroshima as a child and her optimistic message for a nuclear weapon-free world. When I was a 13-year-old girl trapped in the smoldering rubble, I kept pushing, I kept moving toward the light, and I survived. Our light now is a banned treaty. To all in this hall and all listening around the world, I repeat those words that I heard in the ruins of Hiroshima. Don't give up, keep pushing, keep moving, see the light. is a national women's current affairs program made for community radio. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We'd love to hear your thoughts or comments about the program. So please send an email to womenonthelineatgmail.com and you can also find us on Facebook or Twitter.